Hello, and welcome to the second episode of That's the Whiskey. I'm Dude, Carolyn. This is so serious. I love Dude. it. <laughs> <laughs> us. Good. We're so official. We're classy mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Influencers. Oh, look at us. So I'm Carolyn here with my cousin and co host, Jasmine. Oh, co host. Co host. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah that too okay so some of y'all listening may have seen that about a year ago the pentagon released some clips of ufos like dead ass the government does not know what they are they call them unidentified aerial phenomena dude do you realize how excited my dad would be about this <laughs> why my dad is obsessed with aliens and unicorns, he swears that when he was, no, I swear to God, he swears to this day that in Mexico he saw a unicorn uh-huh. and he's like so fascinated by all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but did you know, I, I saw this thing on TikTok and NASA was originally like, they were, it was made to explore the ocean. And ever since they started exploring the ocean, they changed it. And ever since then, they've been trying to get us off the planet. Isn't that weird? That's spooky. Ah! We don't know what the fuck's down there. Yeah. So I guess we'll see, but. I have a very important question for you, Jasmine. I'm scared. Related to aliens. Okay. Are you ready? No, but (laughs) go on. I need you to really think about your answer, okay? Mm -hmm. If aliens came to Earth, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> if aliens came to Earth, would you have sex with an alien? And why or why not? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, well, first of all, I feel like I already have. <laughs> Considering the people that I've surrounded myself with in the past. Uh-huh. No, um, um, <clears throat> that's a really kind of loaded question. Sorry, I'm like adjusting myself. I had to, I was laying down, relaxed, and now uh-huh. I'm sitting up because <laughs> you had to like, you know, here I am. I'm just drinking ginger mint tea, mm-hmm. trying to relax during a podcast. And you ask me <laughs> if I want to have sex with a fucking alien. Well, do you? Um, okay, well, I personally it, would. And girl. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would want to have sex with an alien because, like, how fun would that be? You know, something mm. new. Um, mm-hmm. You'd get to, like, really discover some new shit. But my thing is, I don't want to be impregnated and I don't want them to take any of my eggs. I don't think I'd have any good ones anyways, but, you know, still. And... <laughs> I don't want them to hurt me. Like, I want them to be, like, a good alien partner that will listen, you know? Okay, I feel, okay, but do you understand how much you're asking? Like, you can't even ask a lot of those things from a man, a human man. (laughs) Here's my thing. Is it a hot alien? Like, does it look like an alien? Or does it look like a person? It looks like an alien, but it's like a hot alien. Like, weirdly. Well, I don't even know what aliens look like. Are we talking about, like, the giant head? Like, I couldn't do that, dude. I'm sorry. I I could not have sexual intercourse with somebody that I wasn't 
physically attract I, I couldn't <laughs> I, I couldn't and I wouldn't even you know what I and I don't mean like not hating on the aliens no offense uh-huh. but like dude I, I just I couldn't I, I really if we're being really serious about this I <laughs> I really really could not I don't think we're being dead serious and does that mean if the alien was like kind of weirdly attractive to you like they just the way yeah i might you know when i might if that was the case if it was like a hot older man alien (laughs) an old alien (laughs) then i might you know but fuck dude kind (laughs) of yeah you really put me on the spot there it's really been on my mind like it's not related to what we're talking about but (laughs) and that being said before we moved on to our topic for today, I wanted to give a little bit of a content warning. Um, mm, yeah. So today Trigger we're going to be warning. talking about violence, sex, <laughs> abuse, everything that could trigger everything. you. Everything. everything. We're going to talk about all of it today. So, well, talking about how our brains are mean to us. But yeah, we're just really going to be talking about our experiences with mental health and while talking about that some stuff might come up that's triggering like suicidal ideation you know that fun stuff um and so if you do decide to click away for now um now is a good time to subscribe so you can come back to our future episodes and we'll see you next time if you do go bye felicia bye we'll miss you yeah we'll miss you so much (laughs) I'm really going to miss you. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess that kind of, you know, brings us into it. Um, Well, what I, what we're kind of talking about earlier is, you know, when was the first time in terms of mental health? I mean, first of all, um, you know, you can speak for yourself, but I'm Mm -hmm. diagnosed major depressive, general anxiety disorder, extreme OCD and I think on my diagnosis too they wrote panic attacks and now it's Mm -hmm. not panic disorder because I think it was actually more of an OCD thing where I was like afraid of having panic attacks Mm -hmm. so I would do compulsions to prevent it Mm -hmm. um but you know what do you struggle with (laughs) what's your problem um you know, now that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever actually gone for a diagnosis anywhere. Um, oh, really? Like, I went to therapy multiple times and all that, but mm-hmm. I definitely have dealt with my fair share of depression and oh, a yeah. lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, currently in the process of seeing if I have undiagnosed ADHD or not, but yeah, don't know yet. Um, but yeah. Well, shit. Well, shit. What are y'all doing? Screwing? <laughs> well, I mean, and so, um, like, I can remember struggling with mental illness when I was, like, super little. I was literally, like, because we lived at that old place, so I would have been, like, mm-hmm. four or five. And I, lit- I literally had, like, suicidal thoughts since I was that little. And, um... I didn't, I I think I didn't share it because, well, for one, I mean, there's such a stigma around mental health and it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous because realistically, you know, most people are dealing with it. Yeah. 
But at the same time, you know, I, I never thought that I would know this shit so well. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. <clears throat> It was something that, like, even with anxiety and depression, I, I could feel for people who had it, mm-hmm. but I, ne- I never thought it would be me. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand, you know, what are you worried about? If there's nothing to be worried about, then why are you worried? That was mm-hmm. kind of who I was before. Um, Plus, like, I'd imagine if it starts when you're a kid, how are you supposed to know when to talk about it? Because I don't know oh, yeah. about how it was for you, but I'm guessing you had a similar experience where it's not like all the adults around us were like, hey, if you have mental issues, here's yeah. what they look like. <laughs> Come to us. Like, I never had that. Yeah. I mean, I in turn, I knew that it was wrong because, mm-hmm. like, I remember being little and being like, dude, I want to fucking die. Like, I want to fucking kill myself. Like, I would get so depressed as like mm-hmm. a kid like elementary school and I would literally be like dude I want to kill myself but um I, I remember one time I wrote I was I was so young I was like 10 mm-hmm. and I wrote suicide notes to everyone in my family and my mom mm-hmm. found them and she she had her, she was you know kind of like oh, I'm a little concerned but I think she thought that it wasn't that serious you know mm-hmm. um but in terms of, you know, OCD, I think it was all surrounded by that. You know, like I remember when I was six, I had one of my biggest fixations, like OCD fixations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so afraid of getting kidnapped. And so the and people might, you know, people don't really know what OCD is. And they think it's like being clean or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was about like to that. say, like, yeah, okay, let's do you want to give a little yeah. quick description okay. of what it's actually If you're like. listening to this and you think you know what OCD is, there's a 98% chance that you probably don't. Um, OCD is, I think in the DSM-5, it's like, it's, you have to have intrusive thoughts followed by compulsion. So, you know, when you see somebody that likes to wash their hands a lot, that doesn't mean they have OCD. If they wash their hands because they got an intrusive thoughts, a thought of like germs on their hands that are going to kill them. Mm -hmm. And they truly believe, you know, if I don't wash my hands right now, I'm going to die. Or if I don't wash my hands a certain amount of times, you know, I'm going to get some disease that Mm -hmm. is OCD. But you, you know, for me, I was never contamination based until the pandemic ever, you know, I, and there's, it's, there's another subset, it's called pure O. And that's what I really have. And it's where it's usually mental compulsions, you know, going over scenarios over and over and over again, mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And it feels good and it feels, you know, um, uh, it, it gives you a, like instant relief, you know. And right. Like I know when I've shared some of the things that I kind of I think to me, I just thought of it as like rumination. And mm-hmm. when I've described them to you, you're like, that's kind of like an OCD tendency. Yeah, like, what you mean? Like- anytime you have an intrusive thought and you do something religiously to mm-hmm. make yourself feel better, whether, you know, for me, uh, I always think to myself, I'm like, if somebody's stalking me, they would, pr- they probably would laugh at me um, when I leave my house. Cause when I leave my house, I lock my door and I'll walk down like to the stairs to go to my car. And then mm-hmm. I'll walk back to make sure I check, make sure I really locked it. And I'll do it like a couple times. I'll take a few steps, go back, take a few, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the subtype of checking OCD. Um, and it, but it, so the intrusive thought is, oh my God, somebody's going to go into my house and I didn't lock the door. The compulsion is to check to make sure. 
and then it provides instant relief, but then it's a cycle. So then you get Mm -hmm. the anxiety again and the intrusive thought. And, you know, there's so many different types, like subtypes of OCD, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's pedophile OCD where you're afraid of being a pedophile. So you'll, you know, check to make sure um, you're not a pedophile, stuff like that. There's harm OCD. It's very common, you know, when you're driving in the car and you have the intrusive thought of like, oh my God, what if I just like, oh, you know, <laughs> drove into the other lane? That's uh-huh. what OCD is. It's doing that, but you're actually become, you know, most people will be like, uh-huh, like, you know, whatever, like I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But OCD is when you actually become afraid that you will do it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. So somebody with OCD might pull over and be like, oh, my, like, freak out, that sort of thing. Um, There's schizophrenia OCD. I have that one. And it's not schizophrenia. It's where you're afraid of having schizophrenia. So sometimes when I get fixated on that for, like, a week, Mm -hmm. um, an example of a compulsion would be, like, if me and you were sitting out getting coffee and I saw a guy walk by, um, I the intrusive thought for me would be like, oh, my God, what if that guy wasn't actually there and I'm just imagining it? Like, what if I'm going crazy? Mm-hmm. And then the compulsion would be for me to be like, oh, my God, Carolyn, look at that guy's shoes just so that you can validate that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what OCD is, you know, and um, most people with OCD are really particular about things um, sometimes. Um but it's not usually that where it gets the misconception is where most people wouldn't notice. If I didn't tell you I had OCD, you would have no idea unless you lived with no. me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, my fucking fridge, I never really keep food in my house. You know that. Um, I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. If I run out of it, um, then I go and I get something else and then I'll eat all that for breakfast every single day. And then I will, if say, okay, the other day mm-hmm. I was eating avocado toast for like a couple weeks. I got a new loaf of bread, but I forgot to get more avocados. I threw away the loaf of bread because mm-hmm. it just didn't feel right to me, you know? So it's like I eat at the same places all the time. I never really go to new restaurants. I don't like to. I have my comfort zone. I talk to the same six people every day, the same six mm-hmm. people. If you're outside of the comfort zone, I don't want to deal with it. Um, I drive the same roads every day. I go to the same coffee shop. It's the first thing I do every day. Um, I actually missed a funeral once because I had to go to the coffee shop. Um, and so just to, that's to give a little, I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but it's extremely frustrating because like people really don't know what OCD is. No, I totally fucking annoy. And my room's a mess. Like I'm not a mess. (laughs) I'm not like I'm clean in the sense that my apartment will never be dirty. There will never be germs, but I am fucking, I'm super messy. You know, I like things a certain way for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom came and stayed with me one time. I don't know if you remember this, but she, or she didn't stay with me. She was house sitting for me while I was at the lake mm-hmm. and she moved, she won, she went and bought a bunch of food. I think my parents thought that I like just didn't have any money. And so I didn't have food. And I was like, no, that's not it. And I specifically <laughs> uh-huh. said, don't put food in my fridge or in my, um, cupboards. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I, I really don't fucking like that. Please don't do that. And then, um, and this was before my diagnosis too, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and then my her, my dad ended up coming and staying with her too. And um, he moved my mirror in my room. And then he like took all my records out and like put them in a different order than I liked. Like my record player was open and the, stuff like that. And I got home 
and I freaked out. Like I, I was, remember. Do you remember that? I was yeah, I really, really do. Crying. It was like, a hard time for you. Yeah. And I literally, I took all the brand new food she got me and I put it all in trash bags and I went and threw it away. And I, no, I actually brought it to her brought, to her house and I mm-hmm. said, you need to take this shit. Like I told you. And like, the thing is, is it's hard because people think that it's just, I'm particular, or I'm just a bitch, but it's like, you have no idea the amount of distress it causes me. Like I imagine mm-hmm. somebody dying, like that feeling, that shock when you first find out and you feel like you're going to throw up, you feel like fucking, it, it's horrible. That's how I feel when mm-hmm. somebody fucks with my schedule. The other day I was driving to the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. and um usually I take that one road every day adobe mm-hmm. on the back yeah. roads and they were doing road work this is like a couple months ago they were doing road work and I had mm-hmm. to take a detour and I literally I fully started crying in my car because it's so I don't know how to explain it other than it distresses me so much mm-hmm. when it's not the way that I need it to be and so it's like I try to control every part of my life to prevent that from happening you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah and but yeah and I think you've I think we've talked about before how OCD usually develops from being an anxious kid and like telling yourself that's how you can deal with it when you can't fully comprehend, right? I mm, no. I think that for me it was like that, but mm-hmm. it's actually OCD is completely genetic. Is it really? Mhm. Completely oh. genetic. That's like one of the big things that they've like, if you go on OCD pages, they'll, like, totally shut you down if you try to say that it's because of your childhood or anything like that. Hmm. You know, OCD is basically how I would describe it. It's the fear of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not certain about something, then that's what causes problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are afraid of, like, an illness, something like I was afraid of STDs. I wouldn't sleep with anybody for, like, a full year or two. I, I was so afraid of getting an STD that I, li- I like, couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like when you're not sure about something, when when you're the possibilities are there, it's that's when I think it fucks with you the most. That but, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, OCD sucks, <laughs> but um, and but that kind of you know brings us into people don't realize you know when you have any sort of mental health issue. For I mean, for me, I'm hella good at masking it like I said yeah. you would never know if I didn't tell you um and I think even that, when I'm super depressed you know yeah, I think it can actually be damaging in a way like how many people are good at sort of masking how much they're struggling because in a lot of spaces in our society there isn't that room to talk about mental illness mm-hmm. so people are just gonna like continue keeping it to themselves I know ever since I was a kid, I remember very vividly being like 11 at most. And it was when I was really, really beginning to struggle with depression and I didn't understand what it was. Mm -hmm. And being with family and one family member that was an adult was talking about how one of our cousins was having a hard time. She's like a few years older than me. And another family member was just like, isn't that how all teenagers feel and everyone kind of laughed and I was just standing there and I was like I guess I can never talk about that to you guys because you just think it's how everyone feels which is also sad in hindsight because I know that family member that said that was probably really struggling with mental health when they were a teenager yeah and normalized it for themselves and oh yeah 
I think that's a big pattern in families is if your parents have undiagnosed mental health issues, it's going to be your problem at some point. It's going to oh, yeah. affect you at some point. Totally. Or they're not going to be able to recognize that there is more you can do, not because they want to hurt you, but because they genuinely have just had to cope themselves and they did the best they could and didn't realize that they have more resources. Oh, yeah. And I there, and again, I, I mean, for me, too, I feel like and I think this goes for a lot of people. I mean, first of all, I didn't think that anybody would listen to this podcast. So I just <laughs> want to keep it totally real. Um, mm-hmm. But after having people listen, and I know that, you know, a lot of the people who did are minorities. And I know that for me, you know, my dad wasn't he's not from here. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is a cultural issue, too, for teenagers mm-hmm. is like m- the way my dad was raised, like mental illness doesn't exist. You just need to fucking quit being a bitch. That's basically what, you know, and um, there's such a stigma about, you know, and it's it all comes down to the fear of going crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know so many. I, I don't think there's honestly one of my friends or like anybody I know that's not really you know struggling with depression or anxiety or isn't diagnosed honestly especially with everything that's going on I mean with the pandemic Mm -hmm. that's triggering a lot of people in a lot of ways and making symptoms that were already there even worse I know that was true for you and me oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) but and even like bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. There is such a stigma and it's, you hear that all the time. Oh, oh, you're, you know, you're being so bipolar today or like, mm-hmm. um, oh, you're, I'm so OCD. It's stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. really you're not though. First of all, I know at least 10 people that are diagnosed bipolar uh-huh. and I would have never known. Literally mm-hmm. I would have, I, and some of them aren't medicated either. I would have never fucking known that they had bipolar disorder. You know, yeah. I know other people with OCD, I would have never known. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, come on, you know, and, and I, it, for me, I, it brings me to a place of frustration because I'm like, really, like, you know, I, I hate that there's such a stigma, but it, it is that lack of education on like oh, what it really for is, sure. you know what I mean? And I think it's unfortunate because I was telling you earlier today, part of why I wanted to talk about mental health on this podcast was, mm-hmm. first of all, because we both have a lot to talk about with that topic (laughs) yeah Um, but also because in the end the biggest factor that let me really start to make progress on healing Mm -hmm. the mess of a brain that I have been given was getting to hear people's experiences and like even on my worst days a lot of the time what's able to sort of take me out of my dissociation back into reality a little bit and like get a little more hope is talking to you or another loved one and having them be like no I can totally relate like Mm -hmm. I totally relate and I understand and it's really hard sometimes to deal with that kind of symptom um, or symptoms and I know that I myself tried to hide the fact that I was mentally ill for a long time Mm -hmm. actually I only told very close friends um me when i was younger yeah you're special <laughs> you got <laughs> say to it again i wanted to die How can you say that one feel? more time actually huh can you say that one more time for me actually 
your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I totally, I feel that a hundred percent. I mean, it's hard to, to tell I, I, when you're depressed, you don't want to talk to like depression has such a way, no. you know, of you'd feel so much better if you just went home, you know, you, yeah. you don't want to talk about it. Have you, you would feel so much better about... not talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's Your brain of... has a way of tricking you. It, it Depression tricks you. It literally, yeah. depression is the loss of hope. It, it, it makes you think that you're never going to get better or you're never going to feel better. And you really believe it, you know? And there's actually a whole idea with depression that one way to treat it is actually doing the opposite of what you want to do. Like, yeah. if you're feeling like isolating yourself, call a friend. If mm-hmm. you want to... I don't know. Do you have any other examples? I mean, fuck when I when you don't. I mean, for me, depression. I feel like is very physical. Yeah. Like I literally in the past year, I've lost. I mean, you can tell from looking. I've lost like fifteen to twenty pounds, Mm -hmm. literally. Because even today, you're with me. I had to force myself to eat a bagel today. Yesterday, all I ate was a plate from Pan Express. That was all I ate all day. And I, I couldn't, I literally, it makes me unable to eat. And like today, I literally had to force myself to eat that stupid fucking bagel. And it's I wanted really to throw hard. it the whole time. It's hard to eat regularly and sleep regularly and mm-hmm. generally take care of your body when you're struggling with depression. Oh, yeah. Which is so hard because I know for myself, at least, a big part of like having the energy to cope with the more mental side of my depression um Mm -hmm. especially like thoughts that come in repeatedly yeah I need to be able to like feel better physically yeah like there were times when I was like really on top of my mental health it wasn't that I always felt really good it's that when I would start to feel bad I knew like okay Carolyn you need to go to sleep on time tonight you can't stay up because if you stay up you will lose your shit. You will end up full on crying for like three hours straight and yeah. wanting to die. But if I go to sleep, then I wake up and I'm like, it's a new day. I feel fine. Yeah. And that's not to say it's how it always is, but it really can trick you in a lot of ways that end up make you making you feel worse, which is part of why I think knowing where to look for treatment is huge even though it sucks to have to look for treatment and often mm-hmm. look really hard like for therapists for example you tell me about it when you're so fucking tired because you're depressed or you're tired oh, yeah. because you're super anxious or yeah that was whatever. literally me like last week <laughs> a couple weeks ago you know I, I had a therapist you know this obviously but I had a therapist for from when I was a freshman in high school until mm-hmm. I was 20 mm-hmm. and literally like I I think a lot of it was good and he was really kind of instrumental in my growth but our relationship became like he was too um like personally like attached I think I don't know it was really strange like just he would tell me he loved boundaries. me and yeah and then he would like have little freak outs like if he was worried about me or like didn't know how to deal with something and it went but it's hard though because you know I'm, I'm like it's like you're supposed to be my therapist and you're supposed to help me but you're not and you know like we were talking about earlier it's everybody else says you know you got to find the right therapist but it's like 
it's work. like you're saying yeah it's fucking it's hard I've literally um spent I, I I'm not I don't go to therapy but I've spent what the last few weeks looking for you know, first of all there's no OCD specialists in our county which is horrifying That's and to treat OCD you horrifying. have to have somebody who's willing to do exposures with you because exposure mm-hmm. therapy is the only thing that really is like proven to really help OCD Mm-hmm. meaning um if you are afraid of schizophrenia like i was mm-hmm. right um you know a, a good exposure for me would have been like reading about schizophrenia mm-hmm. or even like i wouldn't even want to say the word i saw a podcast you know in front of me it's trisha paytas and um ethan whatever mm-hmm. his last name is i really love them but um they were talking about schizophrenia and i was so triggered even by hearing the word and it set me into like a full bone fixation for a few days Mm -hmm. you know the whole few days I'm horrified you know oh my god what if I'm gonna go crazy like that sort of thing and um it's like you how can you find help when none of it's kind of around and at Mm -hmm. the same time I could I found an OCD specialist I did in another county she was willing to see me she's like one of the top ones in California in northern California Mm -hmm. and I can't see her because I I don't have the money I I don't have isn't that fun yeah and I'm like like, cool and you know what it was because stupid mm -hmm. fucking Kaiser wouldn't give me a referral God, I could talk so much about Kaiser. Oh my God, me too. For legal purposes, this is a joke. But Jesus Christ. Um, hypothetically, the one insurance that I have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I was with a different insurance for a long time. I went to UCSF for not mental illness, but physical illness. Um, I was looking for literally any treatment to make any improvement from the time I was ten or eleven until mm-hmm. I was 18 because that's how long I was at UCSF yeah. um I switched insurance and they don't really let you out of your insurance network with this one um and they don't offer the single treatment that I ever found like right before I turned 18 they don't mm-hmm. offer it and it has no side effects literally none I would have to go stay in the hospital for like four days no side effects leave and feel better for like a few months at least which was huge it took years for me to find it and I told my neurologist and he literally was like oh we don't do that that's disgusting And I was like do you ever refer out and he was like not really it's disgusting is what (laughs) it it is well what it is is what makes it disgusting is that it's a money issue yeah their best interest isn't your well-being or your quality of life it is Mm -hmm. their money and that's what's horrifying about it to me. You know? But here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Can you name any times, you know, where people weren't very understanding of your situation because of any mental illness or, you know, when somebody kind mm-hmm. of treated you a certain way and, you know, they didn't really realize how much it affected you? Oh, yeah. I think that... um one big experience was definitely when a family member made that comment, making it feel like to me that I wouldn't be listened to because they would just be like, oh, everyone feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I would say when I was like 15 or 16, I had these really close friends for years. Um, I started 
developing really, really severe chronic migraine, you remember, Mm -hmm. um, ended up in the long run having to drop out of high school because of it. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And of course, it wasn't really the best for my mental illness that was going on. So I ended up getting severely depressed and super anxious. And I also convinced myself at the time that I was um, (laughs) lying about having really bad chronic migraine. Mm-hmm. which is because my parents and since then I've had a lot of conversations with my parents and I just want to say that like I'm very lucky that we've talked about it and um, they were doing the best they could at the time but what happened yeah. is that I think they were worried that I was just just depressed and didn't want to go to school mm. um, and didn't actually have as much pain or that's at least how I interpreted it as the time at the time. And so I convinced myself I was lying about my physical illness, Mm. which made me feel even more depressed and anxious. Like if I got Mm -hmm. a migraine that was really bad, I would literally just be like, wow, I'm so good at lying to everyone that I'm actually actually starting to hurt. Like I'm manifesting this. Um, But around this time, when I first had to drop out of high school, um, the very first time. I wasn't hearing from a friend and she like snapchatted me I remember she snapchatted me a selfie of like her makeup that day or whatever Mm. and I was like what the fuck and so I responded and I was like did you see my text because I think I texted her being like I'm having a kind of hard time today Mm -hmm. and um she told me yes I did um it's not my problem basically she was like, it's not my problem. What a dumb bitch. Um, For real. Know, like, what the you, fuck? The big thing was like her and another one of my close friends were like, you need to deal with it yourself. I'm not able to fix it. And at the time it was like, it's not your responsibility. You're right. Honestly, like yeah. it's not your responsibility to cure any, any one of their mental illness. But you don't have to be a fucking prick about it. And a lot of the time, you know what people need, not just with mental illness, but mm-hmm. with whatever you're dealing with that's hard mm. sometimes they just need to be told that sucks like that's yeah. really hard and yeah. i'm sorry you're dealing with that yeah even just somebody to listen you know yeah especially when it's something to do with mental health and you might feel like you're crazy or like no one would understand what you're going through mm-hmm. it's huge to just hear like wow that sounds really shitty yeah um and I ended up ending the friendship with the couple of really good friends I had which isolated me even further um and then I kind of kept it to myself from then on that I was struggling as much as I was until I want to say I was like 17 and it was summertime and I was having a good stretch with my mental health and I convinced myself that meant I was never going to struggle with it again. <laughs> again I was like, I'm me, cured, bitch. Me every so summer. That's when, I, that's when I told my family. I was like, oh, I used to struggle a little bit with my mental health. Um, and then the following winter, I got the worst depression I've ever dealt with. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've had a really hard time throughout my life being able to just talk to people about it because I haven't gotten good reactions back. Or I haven't felt understood. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, 
Well, for one, I, you know, I'm diagnosed major depressive, but it's really only in the winter time. This past winter was like the worst one. Probably, I think because you, you've been around my whole life. I think, uh-huh. you know, there were times where I literally would pray that like something bad would like I would get an axe just so I could die and like be at peace, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it really sucks. But I mean, for me, you know, with OCD, I mean, my friends, I'm notorious for being late to everything. My friends get so mad at me. They used mm-hmm. to, before they kind of knew what it was, they would, like, really be pissed. I, especially my one friend, he would, like, really kind of, like, give it to me. I, I like, I would be super late. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is it's, like, you I and I never wanted to, you know, be, I would always just be, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's, like, dude, I'm, I'm compulsing. I'm having compulsions. Mm-hmm. I, I'm changing my outfit at least 10 times. I'm making sure that every hair on my head is in a perfect place. You know, I'm doing my routine the perfect way that I do it every day and mm-hmm. you don't understand, you know. And I mean, another example is fucking I dealt with this guy. He he used to be a customer on my work mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, he he we you know, I, I tried to date him actually for like a year. But he kind of uh, now looking back, I kind of feel bad for myself because it was, it was kind of clear that he never really. He kind of like totally like disregarded my feelings for like mm-hmm. literally like two years, like two full years of my life where like it's, I was confused by him. It's hard when you're in it though. Oh yeah, you don't realize it. I, and yeah. he he was so nice. And I, even now, you know, I don't think that he's a bad person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do feel for myself in the past, you know, like my mm-hmm. younger self. Cause I'm just like, damn, like, don't you think I was too young for that? Like, did you really mm-hmm. have to kind of play me like that? But anyway, he used to come, he would come around like for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. He'd call me every day, that sort of thing. And then he would disappear for like a few weeks and then come back. And then there were a couple of times where I literally was like, hey, dude, like, um, why don't you just stop? Like, leave me the fuck alone. Like that sort of thing. Like, but in a nice way, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, I remember one time he literally laughed in my face and was, and he said, nice try, but no. And I, 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 like, I will never forget that moment because I, I was closing and he mm-hmm. came in while I was working and I sat down with him and I said that and he literally laughed in my face. But the moral of the story is um, over time, you know, we became pretty decent friends, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I really I really at one point I really, really liked him. Um, but I was still so confused on what he wanted from me. Um, and, you know, again, looking back, I should have fucking you know, I, I should have done so I should have done anything to kind of get myself out of that situation because you know now here I am all confused still mm-hmm. um but he ended up you know making it into the comfort zone right we I, I talked about my comfort zone I have the same six people I talk to like every day mm-hmm. and you know it chances are if you're not in my comfort zone I'm not going to text you back I, I I'm not going to want to hang out with you um, because it's too, it, it makes me too anxious. I, I really don't like to be around people that I'm not comfortable with because the anxiety I feel is so intense, you know, that I, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like my way, I think of keeping things consistent. That's it. And that's what I need. That's what I need to function. That's what mm-hmm. I need to keep myself alive, keep myself from going down to the place where I want to kill myself. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, not to, you know, be so aggressive with it but it's just it's really how it is and I I work really hard to kind of keep my life the way I need it to be and Mm -hmm. he that you know I 
there were, but he would always kind of come back and forth. And I, it, it was so distressing to my comfort zone and to me. And, but I didn't know how to say, it. I didn't know how to be like, you know, I, I'm, I, I have a mental illness and you have no idea how much you're affecting me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, because realistically, you know, he, he didn't know me anything, but it was the way that he kept coming back. You know, it's like, yeah. it's one thing I would have rather had him been like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, I, I don't like you that way mm-hmm. or like you know you're ugly or whatever his issue was with me but it you know it but never, it was the constant coming back and the confusion it was never so simple yeah and the and so I, but I remember the last time I saw him last time I saw him was like probably like a year ago I went to his house and he had ignored me for a while and then he like called me a bunch of times and I wasn't really talking I was really depressed and I wasn't talking to anybody mm-hmm. and then we kind of started talking again and I went to his house and we we're in the backyard and he was sitting there, you know, relaxed, whatever. He had his legs up on the table. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him and being in like in my head, I was like, wow, like you would treat me so much different if you knew what it was like to have OCD. Mm-hmm. Like you have no idea the amount of hurt you have caused me. And I mean, and that's a side, you know, the emotional part of it. I, I, I really liked him and I really cared for him. And, you know, to be truthful, he was like one of the and I think uh, like I think a lot of the attachment was that like he was the only man I ever kissed that I didn't brush my teeth after. Really? Yeah. And Uh I think, you know, and and it was weird, though, because we never really dated like we we I never slept with him. Nothing like that. It was such a comfort thing, I think. And Mm -hmm. the time he came into my life and that sort of thing. And but I, I remember, you know, thinking like, wow, you're the only person who my the way I care for you I even you know the, the love I have for you you know mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie and be like oh, I didn't love him you know the the love I had for him though mm-hmm. was the only thing that I think I've ever known in my life to be stronger than my OCD and but I just mm-hmm. I remember looking at him and I'm like wow like you really have no idea how much you're affecting me you have no idea and you know a lot of that is my fault because I I kept it so I kept so much of it to myself because I was like you know it's not his problem and you know if you were a normal person without OCD yeah I mean well no it isn't nice everyone in society is telling you that you're super abnormal and fucked up if you have something yeah like that yeah and you know and I think he totally chalked it up to just me being controlling Mm -hmm. and which made me even more insecure because like realistically like you could ask any man I've ever dated and they would be like if there's one thing she's not is needy and because I, I'm, I'm pretty I'm avoidant attachment like I really mm-hmm. like if anything I'm gonna avoid the fuck out of you mm-hmm. but like and so that even made me more insecure about it I didn't I didn't want to tell him you know like hey you know you're, you're really fuck because it's like I, he, I don't think he would realize you know so like when you you disappear out of my life okay I get over it I say I realize okay you know you're out of the comfort zone and then he would come back and it would literally throw like make me flip like I wouldn't be able you know my whole I might I would have to shower like five I remember one time he called me out of nowhere and I literally Mm -hmm. took like five showers that day because I couldn't triggering to your whole yes and he has he had no idea he has no idea I mean I doubt he, he would never listen to this I mean, fucking, I don't even know if he knows what a podcast is, but <laughs> we're talking about middle-aged men here. But, you know, I, even if he did listen to it, I mean, I think that if any, I, I don't think there's nothing I said that isn't true. And, you know, and he knows it. So, but I mean, it is, 
it's crazy how you never really, you really never know how much you're affecting somebody. You have mm-hmm. no idea. And he had no idea for and years. It really, he it had really no does idea. play a very major role in relationships, not oh, just romantic, yeah. but honestly. No, even now. Yeah. Even now, I haven't talked to him since what, like last summer, almost mm-hmm. a year. And every time I pass his little town when I'm going to like my parent, this is every day, multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Every time I have to pray for him. Otherwise, my OCD tells me that something bad's going to happen. I have to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's probably fucking out going on with his life, you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, some crazy little girl that I dealt with for, you know, that's probably how he thinks of it. Mm-hmm. and I'm still over here like he he is a compulsion for me now you are mm-hmm. a compulsion for me so you know and it's it's hard to not be frustrated mm-hmm. you know when stuff like that happens but you know it really it goes to show that people have no idea how mm-hmm. much they're affecting someone you know yeah but what do you think is <laughs> moving <laughs> on um what do you think has helped you in terms of mental health like what what are little tips and tricks you think you know and obviously this isn't in replacement to therapy um therapy is really awesome if you Mm -hmm. can find the right therapist and you know you should take that opportunity Mm -hmm. if you can honestly the thing that's helped me the most has been therapy and I on I kind of wish it wasn't that because it isn't accessible to everyone Mm -hmm. but I hope that throughout us talking we can like almost give like little life hacks from therapy um because like I think the one more specific thing that really helped me in therapy there's a couple things first of all when I first started therapy with my last therapist which is the one I saw for the longest I saw her for a little over a year and then decided I'm going to take a break right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of just didn't know what to talk about and felt like I was coping a little better. Um, But when I first started with her, I would tell her about like what's making me really anxious, what's making me really depressed, what I've been obsessively thinking about for like a week or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she would listen. But before we would like, you know, go super in depth talking about it, she mm-hmm. actually like would talk about my nervous system like the physical side of what was going on for me that helps me a lot too yeah like she drew this chart that almost looked like um like a graph with like a wave on it like going up and down and she was like pointing to it and said up here is when you're super activated super anxious like just your nervous system is like super on guard and yeah. then down here is like super depressed not functioning um like the sort of opposite end of where your nervous system can go and she told me like normally you kind of have these ups and downs throughout the day but what you're doing is you're going through really really long periods of like being super up here and then being super down here for like weeks or months at a time but I wasn't like having consistent shifts throughout the day I was kind of stuck for a long time yeah um and so we would talk about like if I was feeling some really strong emotions sitting in therapy I'd be telling her about something she'd be like I can tell that you're activated right now what are you feeling Mm -hmm. so I might be like oh I'm feeling angry and she would ask me where in your body are you feeling it 
and I might say like in my chest or in my lungs, whatever it was. Um, and that helped me be able to better identify what I was feeling, even when I was super emotional and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of what helped me in therapy the most was inner child work. Mm-hmm. So after she would ask me, what are you feeling? Where are you feeling it? She would usually ask me, how old does that feeling seem to be? Mm. And when she would first ask me that, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, Girl, what, do what you the mean? fuck? What do you mean how old? Yeah. But like one No, that makes memory, a lot of sense. One memory I had was like when I was, I don't know, four or five. And whatever emotion I was talking about, she was like, so you're like four or five. What do you remember like the most? Like, is there a memory? Is there an object? Is there a color that comes up? And um, I remembered being a little kid. I have four older siblings. I have a mom and a dad. Um, and they were all mad at me about something because <laughs> I was a super emotional kid as we've been <laughs> over. She was always crying. Always crying. Always and crying. I was in my backyard. Um, I was inside this bush we had. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I was just seeing her hanging outside yeah. in the bush. I was yeah. in a bush and because I had like a little space. And yeah. I was hiding in this bush and I was crying. And that was maybe four. And I remember thinking, I want my mom, but she's mad at me. I want my dad, but she's, he's mad at me. I want my siblings, but they're all mad at me. Mm-hmm. Um. And eventually I was like, I want to go home, but I'm already home. And I was just like, fuck, like, I feel so awful and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And that like lonely and out of control feeling really followed me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like that moment as a kid, even though I was a little kid and it was so long ago, it affected the rest of the times to come for me. And Mm. um, we were able to work with like, inner child stuff like imagining my adult self being there in that moment mm-hmm. what I might have said to like comfort myself and like what I can say now to myself that's kinder and more yeah. empathetic and reminds me that things are different now mm-hmm. and it was so helpful like so helpful yeah I bet that's even wow <laughs> I never thought of it that way at all I had never heard of inner child work before this therapist. Yeah. I think I've learned most of it from you. So it's <laughs> kind of cool because I feel like you gave me therapy from your therapy. I didn't even have to pay. <laughs> no. I mean, God. for me, I think the biggest thing is, you know, like we talked about earlier, doing the opposite of what your brain tells you to do when you're mm-hmm. mentally ill. When you're depressed, when your brain's like, oh, you would feel so much better if you just stayed in tonight and didn't go hang out with your friends. I do the opposite. I go Mm -hmm. and hang out with my friends. Um, When my OCD is telling me that, you know, if I, I, sometimes I'll force myself to walk away from my door after I lock it. I Mm -hmm. I won't go back and check, you know, stuff like that. And, but for me, you know, what I help, what I found helps a lot is one, talking about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But two, exercising. And you don't Mm -hmm. even have to exercise. Go on a fucking walk. Go to the beach and just walk down, like, it, and it, I really kind of thought that it was a bunch of bullshit, but mm-hmm. I, when I used to walk every day in downtown, I used to go on the same walk every day through the same neighborhood, the same shit, you know, mm-hmm. and it 
really, really, I noticed a huge difference in myself and there's my a lot of research mental health. Yeah. And even, you know, in, in terms of like the science part of mental health, I, ne- I mean, I know for me, like to get my dad to really understand what I was going through, I had to s- explain it scientifically. I had mm-hmm. to say, you know what, Poppy, I have a chemical imbalance in my brain. Mm-hmm. And that was like the only way to get him to understand. And after that, he he got way better with it, you know, because mm-hmm. like I said, you know, where he's from, mental illness, mental illness doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, and it can be really, really hard and so debilitating. And, you know, if anybody's listening, I know that feeling, you know, mm-hmm. I where you really believe it's not going to get better. But, you know, I, if it helps you, I honestly say that it, it will get better, you know, and mm-hmm. it's hard to get out of that dark corner when you're there, whether somebody mm-hmm. died and you got sent there or, you know, it's winter time and you don't like winter, or, you know, whatever, a breakup, anything, you know, can kind of trigger it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's so much that people don't realize even, oh my God, panic attacks. Um, I, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but I really did want to touch on panic attacks because people mm-hmm. really don't understand how scary it is. I think, and I- I know, like, I don't think I could have fully understood it, even though I tried my best to until I had a panic attack. Yeah. It's scary shit. Oh, my God, dude. I literally, I couldn't drive for a week. Um, I, and if anybody is listening to this and you have panic attacks, and specifically if you're afraid of passing out during a panic attack, because this really changed my life. A doctor told me, here's the thing, when to pass out your blood pressure I think it needs to drop super fast Mm -hmm. and when you're having a panic attack your blood pressure skyrockets so actually you're less likely to pass out than like a just regular person not having a panic attack Mm -hmm. and the only reason people pass out from panic attacks ever is because they forget to breathe because Mm -hmm. they hold their breath when they're scared so if anybody's listening to this and you struggle with panic attacks you just you have to breathe Mm -hmm. and you know become comfortable with the uncomfortable uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know and I think that yeah. goes for a lot of different issues depression anxiety mm-hmm. b- you know every you have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable to yeah. really get through it you know I think that's a like something I definitely want to say before we run out of time is like yeah. do things to calm down your nervous system even if it doesn't make you feel better immediately oh yeah like take normal breaths if you can or mm-hmm. like use the breathing where you like hold it for four seconds breathe out for four seconds hold for four seconds breathe in for four seconds I think it's just called square breathing yeah they make little visuals you can watch while you're breathing um go for a walk if you feel super activated get your body moving and get mm-hmm. yourself in a new environment um yeah call a friend do something different yes. than just sitting there because that's like my biggest journaling flaw. has helped me yes. so much oh my god journaling is everything but mm-hmm. you know if anybody's listening to this I more than anything I hope that you really know if you can't trust yourself when you tell yourself it's gonna get better I hope that you can trust me because mm-hmm. I promise you it will and I hope you know what the little lights are in your life and I, I hope you hold on to them mm-hmm. for dear life and- even if you have to yeah, you even know. if you can't, like, fully believe that things will get better because you're in it, 
mm-hmm. and it's it's hard like it's kind of depression especially is kind of designed to make you feel that way oh yeah but it and doesn't so mean that it actually is gonna last forever exactly that's what yeah I mean, yeah it's literally and, all yeah. the depression ads are you feeling a loss of hope? That's what depression is. It's Mm -hmm. your brain tricking you into thinking it's never going to get better. And Mm -hmm. it making you think, oh, no, I'm different. You know, all these people got better, but no, 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 I'm different. No, you're not. You ain't that special, bitch. (laughs) No, uh -uh. you Mm -hmm. will get better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for fucking listening. Yeah. I feel like we could go on forever about this. Oh, I know. I know. Well, Again, that's the fucking whiskey, bitch. <laughs> and you heard it here first. So goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>